Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Football Social Daily. Premier League Updates. Hello, this is Wednesday's Football Social Daily, running headfirst into the biggest stories from the Premier League and seeing what happens. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast however you listen, give us a follow on Twitter, at The Sports Social, and importantly, leave us a review wherever you listen to the show. I'm Jim Salverson, Adam Brown and Steve McNaughton are in the Sports Social studio with me today. Hello, good sirs. Hiya, Jim, you alright? Good morning, Very gentlemen. good, thank you. Very good. So today we're going to be talking about the FA Cup. Is this the year that the big boys start to take notice? Spurs and Manchester United will both be seeing this as their chance for a trophy. Do they actually have a chance? We're going to talk Everton. Could their quest for glory be putting the club itself at risk? Their financial report suggests it might well be doing just that. And there are done deals in the Premier League as well. We've got all the latest gossip and rumours and deals from the top flight at the end of this pod. But first, as we mentioned reviews, should we start with a review? Oh, let's do it, yeah. Let's do it. It's always a nice way to start a podcast. Sometimes it's a good one. Well, we'll see. <laughs> if you leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to the show, you're likely to get a shout-out on the show as well. So make sure you're interesting when you leave a review. And today's review comes from T. White Rev. Hello, T. White. It's not a five-star review, Steve, this one. But it's not terrible either. It's a four-star review. So we go for the Sorry. negatives as well as the positives. It starts strong. It says, the podcast is a good listen. They do well at keeping you up to date with what's going on. The guys seem like lovely people who I genuinely like to meet. Which is nice, isn't it? That's really lovely. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It However. Show him as a, yeah. <laughs> what's it, coming I mean, out, Jim? I mean, it shows you as a terrible judge of character for a start, T.Y. <laughs> but let's move on to the negative, shall we? We'll, we'll broach these head on. He says, However. The amount of simple things they get wrong, such as someone's age, which country they're from, and even the current teams of the world-famous superstars can be irritating. I mean... I don't want to make excuses, but it's quite difficult to remember the age of every single footballer that has ever played. Yeah. But I thought today, can we try and be factually correct with our conversations, please, boys? I'm going to warm you up with a little quiz. 
about players' ages and where they play and who they are and that kind of thing and see if we can get the ball rolling well. Okay. Are you ready for this, okay? Yeah. All dead easy questions. Going to start off with how old is Dover Athletic defender Scott Doe? <laughs> <laughs> 27. That's uh, not, not, not a million miles away. Yeah, I think he's 29. <laughs> he's 31. Oh. He's a veteran in that Dover team. Yeah. Um, so, for which English team does South African footballer Kungusi Nathi play? Wickham. Oh. I'm pronouncing that horribly. You're saying Wickham. Uh, Wickham. Wickham. Go, go north. Go north from Wickham. He only joined this season. 11, 11 appearances under his belt. Grimsby? Scunthorpe. Oh! oh dead oh, close with Grimsby. Oh, that was impressive. Okay, final one. From which country does Aldershot Towns striker Alfie Santos hail? Peru. Oh, not a million miles away again. Um, Santos. Uh, sounds like Brazilian. He's Brazilian. He's yeah, born in yeah. Sao Paulo. Bringing uh, yeah. some samba flair to the Sao home counties. <laughs> there you go. So we proved. I, mean, I can see T. White's points. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> Trevor, that we didn't get them right. That's <laughs> in T. White. Right, let's get on to the football proper and let's get stuck into the FA Cup. Games last night, games tonight as well. Could be this be the year that the big clubs start to take the FA Cup seriously? Now, normally the giants of football take it seriously around the quarterfinals. That's when people start to take notice of the FA Cup, really. But this year, we've got Manchester United and Spurs. Spurs played last night against Middlesbrough. United played tonight against Wolves. Two teams that are used to winning things. Well, United are used to winning things. Spurs want to get used to winning things. Mm. Could they see this competition now as a route to a trophy, the only potential route to a trophy, which means the likes of Spurs and Manchester United and other clubs who are getting to the status where their fans are beginning to expect some kind of silverware at the end of the season, they start to take it seriously from the off, from the very beginning. I think you have to now. I think, um, you know, it's, it's potentially, uh, especially for under-fire bosses uh, who are, maybe aren't doing very well in the league, mm. it's a bit of a, you know, it alleviates a bit of pressure possibly mm. uh, for, for Solskjaer and even, you know, dare I say it, Mourinho. Mm. It, it could be already a little bit of signs of some pressure on, on him already at Spurs. Uh, I think so. I think maybe in the previous years, like you say, Jim, we have seen teams, you know, not go full throttle into the FA Cup, but... It's still a big trophy, you know, and it's still something that I think a lot of people in football, managers, I do still think they value it a lot more than, you know, we've seen with the Carabao Cup, how people have approached that. So I think, yeah, definitely a chance of silverware. Get anything you can whilst Liverpool are around. Mourinho's always been a big fan of the FA Cup, actually. He's one of the few managers that has taken it seriously. And there's been this weird split between the clubs and the fans. And I've always loved the FA Cup. I'd be Mm. interested to know your take on this, Steve, because as a Liverpool fan currently... Champions of the world, champions of Europe. I'm oh, doing, he's loving I'm this doing, next to me. Doing your job for yeah. you. Yeah, he's going to go, no, it's not really big enough for the FA Cup well, for us yeah, now. Yeah, that's it. You're going to win the Premier League this season. And uh, maybe. You're going to win the Premier League this season. <laughs> of course you are. Do you still care about the FA Cup? Even with that stuff in your trophy cabinet in recent history, do you want to see your team go out there and perform in the FA Cup? Um, it, this is a funny one because before we played Everton a couple of weeks ago, I, I didn't really, you know, give a toss about it <laughs> yeah. uh, in all honesty. But then when I seen, obviously, when, when the kids got the result and, and, and went into the next round where I think we've got Shrewsbury after last night's mm. replay with Bristol City. Uh, Bristol City or Bristol Rovers, one of the two. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, I fancy a good cup run. And, you know, and obviously the romance of the cup and all that. Seeing there is get. something magical yeah, about it. Yeah. But I think it, it depends on what, what generation you are. I think, you know, if, you, if you're my age and there's a four in front of my age, um, the FA Cup used to be a full day on TV back in the day. You know, yeah. you'd have Saint and Greavesy in the alehouse in the morning, you know, with, with a load of old pros and all that talking. You'd have loads of really good content on it. It'd be on terrestrial TV and it was a proper 
day and then you'd have the uh, on the end of the match of the day you'd have highlights of the Scottish Cup final as well because that usually was on the same day is it but I just think has has the value of the competition diminished over the over the years I think it has and that's quite sad uh, I think you know Tottenham and United are in with, with a shout at that this year I think I mean you never say never but from a Liverpool point of view I think if we keep playing our kids in the cup which I think he probably will do we might get to say the quarterfinals or something like that you know and then if we come up against like a a Tottenham or a Man United mm. or something like that, you know. Or I mean, even Man City take the FA Cup seriously, you know. That they, they've obviously won it in recent times. Um, we'll we'll see where that run ends, but I'd I'd love to win it all, you know. The only one I'm not fussed on, and I think that the Champions League teams shouldn't go in is the Carabao Cup. I think it's a, you know it's just far too many games. Well, even then, uh, even then, period. as more teams are required to win trophies, and you look at the teams that have played, like I said, Spurs playing last night, Manchester United playing tonight, Wolves playing tonight as well. All those teams can legitimately, the mm. fan base can expect a trophy at the end of the season. And there's only three domestic trophies to go around. Yeah. So they have to take it seriously. And from Mourinho's point of view and Spurs' point of view, he will not last long in that job if he doesn't win trophies pretty sharpish because he has been bought in for that reason. They're eighth in the Premier League. They're out of the Caribou Cup, went out to Colchester, Yeah. was it? They're in the last 16 of the Champions League, but they're playing Leipzig who are top of the Bundesliga, so you don't fancy their chances there. Yeah, yeah. This is the only chance. The yeah. FA Cup is the only thing they can go for now. Well, like you say, I think the only thing that goes in Spurs' favour in that sense is that Mourinho has, you know, notoriously taken the FA Cup quite seriously. He seems to kind of like the the, the sort of the tradition mm. around it and the prestige that goes with it. So, yeah, I think Spurs, don't be surprised to see Mourinho going all in, I think. Yeah, I agree from, with that. From this point forward now, I think he, we know he's not stupid. He might think to himself, listen, if the Spurs board aren't happy with with you know his Premier League results or whatever, then if he has got some silverware, well, it's it's more than what Pochettino's delivered. That is true, and I think you know it, it is a quick win for Jose as well. If he can get you know to Wembley in May and, and and lift that trophy, I think you know Tottenham fans will be elated with that, and he's got mm. a top four position. They'll take that as success in a in a transitional period, really. And I think when we're in a a, a period where Tottenham's form is erratic, mm. shall we say, and you know. The, the usual miserly defences that Jose Mourinho has in his teams and isn't in place at Tottenham, I think they kind of rip your hand off at this stage. And I think, you know, they, they, they're a club that... That could be like one of the foundation blocks to then build into where they need to be, really, you know, with, in terms of kind of the stadium, the stature, the commercial, you know, appeal of Tottenham. I think, you know, that that would be somewhere to go. Yeah, we'll take that. Yeah. What about for Solskjaer, who plays Wolves tonight? How do you think he'll approach this game? Because it's a tricky season for Solskjaer. It's, it seems to go from the brink of disaster to being the man to take Manchester United forward on a virtually game-by-game -game basis, depending on what the last result is. So the fans will expect a result tonight, but for him, he's got a thinning squad. He's got injury concerns again. How do, how do you how do you play it if you're Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Do you know what, Jim? I've, honestly, I don't even... At this point, you can't really predict what's going to happen with United, game-by-game. Game. Mm. Honestly, you have the thing where they turn a corner. How many corners did they turn this season? That's all they do. He's like, oh, they've turned a corner. This is it now. Mm. This is it. They've had a great result, and this is you know the, the scoring, the playing nice football, and the following week they won't get smashed 3-0. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I'd, I'd, and Wolves are no mugs either, let's mm. be honest. They're, they're a good side, and they'd fancy it as much as United, I think, fancy this as a trophy. Mm. Is it at Molyneux tonight? Uh, Old, Old Trafford. Is it? Old oh, Trafford, yeah. right, okay. Yeah. Well, that, that plays in the United's favour, I think. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, I think, you know, we'd, we'd all... Wonder with Wolves will pay respect to Manchester United by not playing a striker. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, like, you know, if they get beat, you know, they say, Wolves give us loads of respect, you know, they played Traore from the start. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, as, we, as we said on, I think it was Monday's episode, it's systematic of, of what's happening at United at the minute. And I think if they go out tonight uh, against Wolves at home, especially if Wolves rotate a little bit, oh, you know, it, it's, there's going to be carnage, I mm. think. Um, well, probably not. It's probably like, oh, you know, it's not his fault. It's Woodward's fault and all that. But mm, really, he's kind of the guy who's responsible for the results on the pitch. The thing is as well, even if, say, for example, United going to win the FA Cup, um, you know, is that just papering over the cracks? It's not going to be United going, oh, brilliant. We're, we're back. Gonna, we're, we're, that's, this is it. Yeah. We're, 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 you know, Solskjaer's the, he's the saviour of the club. We're going to keep him. It's papering over the cracks because obviously Mourinho, when he was at United, they won the Europa League. That didn't buy him any more time, really, no. did it? You know, he didn't end up Van going. Van Hal won the FA Cup and was sacked two days later. Yeah, yeah, so do you know <laughs> what I mean? It's only, I mean, it's nice for the, it's for the, more for the fans rather than going. Oh, it's a moment where you know it's further in the transition. If United do want to win the FA Cup, for me, it doesn't mean anything. Mm. It's a trophy, yeah, yes. but it doesn't. All it does is mask some bigger problems. And it could actually be neg- a negative in terms of the development of the club that they go. Oh, it's all right. It's yeah. all fine. We can compete at this level. Yeah, yeah maybe we don't need to strengthen as much. We won a trophy last season, <laughs> right? It's, it, it is, and it, and it's a crazy situation for United because I think if they don't get top four this season, and and you know that is a legitimate concern mm. for you know for all concerned. Um, if he wins the FA Cup, I can't see him winning the FA Cup. To be fair, no. I think the stronger teams than Man United in it still, and I think that um, you know if they run into a Man City or, or if they run into a, a Tottenham, Liverpool, or Leicester, you know, in the later rounds, I think they, I think they'd be beaten. I think the problem is at United is that I mean I know you had a rant about it on the podcast yesterday, which I thought was really good, uh, and I I talked about it on Monday. Um, is is that you've got a manager who is colossally out of his depth at Man United. He's not of the the, the the kind of stature that you know the required level. He's not achieved anything as a manager really, and he's at one of the most prestigious clubs in world football. So for me, I think you know, it, I mean, I was going to say something really controversial then, but I'll hold back because <laughs> uh, they wouldn't want any protests outside. Uh, but I think they've just got to, you know, we're talking about Pochettino. They've got to make a move sooner rather than later. For me, I think the thing rumbling along them kind of stumbling and, and falling over and then getting back up again. and I, It's just, it's not the Man United way, if, the, if there is a Man United way anymore. We saw Spurs last night, they're through to the next round, beat Middlesbrough. I'm still not entirely sure what Jose Mourinho is doing at Tottenham. I don't know what his philosophy is. I don't know whether he's doing the anti-football Jose things. There's a brilliant stat that I saw that this is just the second time in Mourinho's 923 managerial career, wow. 93 game managerial career, that he has seen his club concede every game in nine consecutive matches which says something's not quite in terms of Jose's style at Tottenham it's not quite fitting for some reason but more importantly right now it's the absence of Harry Kane that will be the ultimate concern for Spurs we saw Mora start last night he played for about an hour then Son came on can we learn anything from that about how Mourinho is going to cope without Kane leading the line for Spurs was it just a case of I mean for me that suggests that Son is going to be the main man who's mm. just having his legs rested to kind of prepare him for the season ahead or prepare him for the, the amount of game time he's going to have going forward in the league. Well, Son's a great player. Like, oh, awesome. He's an absolutely fantastic player. Um, but obviously moving him into that you know forward role moving forward, then it's not his best position probably. He can play there and he can do a job there. Yeah. Uh, I think the difficulty with Spurs is getting another striker in. And the difficulty they've had since the emergence of Kane a few years back is 
that any striker going to Spurs knows instantly they're not going to play many Second games. Fiddle. Yeah, and there's not even a chance that they're going to dislodge mm-hmm. Kane because he's such a hero to the fans world class player yeah, and he's a great player so you know you're going there to play second fiddle so that one instantly means the calibre of striker you can attract for for the club goes probably down Mm -hmm. a couple of levels and then convincing even that player even if they're a young player as well they know the game time's not coming Mm -hmm. so I think that's been an issue really for them to recruit someone who can step into the the massive void that's left when Kane's injured and Mm -hmm. we've seen it a few times which is why players like Laurenti actually made a little bit of sense for Spurs at the time yeah 100% well he's been offered back to them as well hasn't he he? you know by Napoli yeah so he's finding a player like that and there ain't many of them about who are prepared to sit on the bench and when they do come on and get the chance they're going to be match fit and they're going to grab you a goal now mm. and again. Well, that's the, that's the problem that we've got. You know, we're not that active in, in we didn't sign anyone in summer of, of note. And, um, you know, we've signed uh, Minamino uh, this window but because I'm... you've got players uh, <laughs> saying, oh, I don't really want to, I'd love to play for Liverpool, but there's not really any point in me going, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because unless one of the front three goes or unless they lose a the midfielder, you know, I'm not going to get any game time. Uh, for me, I think, and it's interesting, I'm just going to take us back to the weekend when, when we actually did play Tottenham at their place. And, I mean, I was kind of, you know, tweeting about it as I do and stuff like that. And I think it was quite interesting that for a period that Jose reverted to type in that game, didn't he? Because I think Gary Neville commented it on, on Coven- in commentary, not Coventry, um, and uh, <laughs> said like, you know, well, you know, Spurs have slotted into a back six. Uh, you know, yeah. it's just like that's like typical. And then they moved out from it, and then it showed like the kind of positional positions of the players during the first half and stuff like that. And Lucas Moura was the only player mm. that ventured into the Liverpool half. You know, and it's just. So he that that is the Jose that we know and and you know some people love him some people don't I mean he's box office whatever you say you want to watch what Jose Mourinho's up to but we're at a period now where he's he's stuck between a rock and a hard place for me because it's like what does he do you know does he because Tottenham fans will want to see, uh, see attacking football they want to see tight defenses they want to see clean sheets and they want to see teams coming to the um uh, white hart tottenham hotspur arena lane and um, <laughs> you know and, and getting a, a bit of a pace then you know so if, say for example if if bournemouth rock up there you know you want to see tottenham put three or four on them uh, but they they didn't it was like two was it three nil up and then bournemouth yeah. got it to three two you know and it's just You've got. He's very quickly for me. He's got to come into 2020 or 2020 because I think his philosophy is a bit dated, and and there's Premier League teams that are now I think learning to pick that apart. Um, you know, and and they are going to his teams and they're getting results from it. Hence the erratic form and they're conceding a boatload of goals. So it, it's it's just a marriage for me that doesn't fit. It does. I don't think it's going to work long term. It feels like he's trying to juggle everything at the moment, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, he's, he's spinning too many plates with yeah. it. And then one's coming off, and you know they signed uh, Jedson Fernandez on an eighteen month deal, and I think that I mean I kind of get the deal because mm. Soko's injured, isn't he? And he's out, but. You know he's a a player who's um you know scored three goals in I think fifty three games for you know for Benfica. He hasn't staked his claim as an attacking midfielder or a defensive midfielder. He he, he goes in either. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure what questions he answers yeah. at Spurs either. Yeah. You know, so we'll talk about that more in a little bit. That transfer, but the big question about Harry Kane for me came yesterday because I mean I don't care what Spurs do to be honest with you. <laughs> don't care how he performs for them, but I am interested in England playing in the Euros. Mm. And the suggestion from the papers was that Harry Kane is now going to miss the European Championships. A little bit of clarification on where this rumour has come from. It was an interview with Jose Mourinho who was asked how long Kane would be out for and he said, I don't know, it could be April, it could be May, it could be next season. Essentially, he was just going, I don't know. Mm. So there is no suggestion that Harry Kane will be out for that period of time. I think 
common sense suggests he will be back around April time. But if he is missing for the Euros, that's a massive hit for England. Massive. Who steps into that so, role? I tell you what, you say, you say massive, and are you going to say something controversial? Maybe <laughs> slightly. <laughs> um, but what I'm, you, you, I think you'll back me up on this. Um, that you know, previous tournaments, I'm thinking sort of in the all throughout the two thousands. Every tournament had this sort of, um, you know, this kind of build-up where we'd be missing a player. Oh, like a metatarsal yeah, yeah, yeah. injury. Yeah, there'd be yeah, a, a Rooney Beckham, or a Rooney, yeah. Gerard missed one of them. Mm. And it was all this like, oh, can we rush him back? And, we, and they were never match fit. Like yeah. happened, Michael Owen happened with once, and then he got yeah. injured in the tournament. And, it, and for me, I'm like, listen, if he's only going to get a couple of weeks before, I know he's a great player and mm. he, he's going to score goals. But I think, genuinely, I think the answer is staring us in the face. I'd be straight on the phone to Jamie Vardy, straight on the phone and say, listen, Come back, you're going to be first choice. If Kane's out, get him in. He's in unbelievable form. For me, he just can get you, no matter who he's playing for, he's going to score goals. Mm-hmm. All right, he's not on the same level as Kane, mm. but Very I do think. a different player to Kane. Yeah, and I, I think the main and reason. It would affect the way England played completely if you're going to start with Kane up front. You've got to play that kind of counter attack. You have to have the, the pace as well, and the, I get that. But for me, in terms of an goal, English goal scorer outside of Kane, there's no one could compare to Vardy, I don't think. I think for, for me, I think, I, and and it was a question last week, wasn't it? When we when we were on it as well, I think we talked about it, didn't mm. we, on the podcast last week? And I I am kind of in the in, in that boat with you on it. I think for me, I think you know up up top, Rashford's your main, your main man uh, for me. If Kane is in through the middle though, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that I would include Vardy in the squad and bring him off off the bench with 20 minutes to go. You know, mm. if it's quite a tight game because he will cause problems. So. Mm. Absolutely think he should be in the in the squad as a bit of a wild card, and um, but he doesn't want to do that. That's, that's why the thing, he's retired. It? Yeah. He's, he's like I'm main man or I'm nothing. Yeah, and that's what I'd be on. The, that's well, the, if that's the attitude of Jamie Vardy, well, don't you know? Don't take him. I didn't realise that 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 was his position mm-hmm. on it, um, and I think that. I don't think he's in a position to call that level of shot and just say, well, hi, Mr. Southgate, I've got to be the main man or I'm not coming. Okay, see you later. You know, yeah, there's an eight-pack of from, uh, Red Bull and, and, yeah. and some kind of Benton and Edges. <laughs> but, but if, I was, if I was Southgate in that position and I'm going, well, I've lost the best striker mm. in England, I want the second best striker, mm. second best English striker. And I think as a goal scorer, Vardy is way above Rashford. Rashford's a brilliant player, don't get me Abraham wrong. Abraham in the mix as Abraham's well. Abraham's in the mix, 100%. And I do think that lunge, I think probably that would be what they're going to, that would go with. I'd like to see Rashford play down the middle a bit more. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that he's, he's as an out-and-out striker, mm-hmm. he's been, you know, I don't think there's been too much pressure been putting him at United or whatever because obviously he's not, since Lukaku went and it was like, well, he's our, he's our number so he's nine kind now. Of dragging him along, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah which, you know what I mean? But I don't think Rashford has got, he's had, the, one, he's had the, I don't know. It's something about his confidence for me as, as being your, your main striker. Yeah. I don't mm. know if he's uh, quite... the burden of it. Yeah, that level really yeah. to step up. It's a big ask. Well, they go Rashford, Sancho, Sterling as a front three. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot Pretty of pace terrifying, there. Isn't yeah, it? it's a yeah. lot of pace. Yeah, but, it is. But there's, I think the only thing with doing that is there's not a massive amount of physical presence there. Yeah. Is the, you know, so when them balls are coming in the box from set pieces mm. or corners, you know, who's going to get on the end yeah. of it? I mean, we've not even got a settled centre-back pair, and have we, from an England point of view? And I think that there's plenty of questions for for Southgate to to answer. And I think, you know, Harry Kane, you know, I do think he'd be a miss for England. Um, Unfortunately, in the last World Cup, he got absolutely battered against Colombia, and he never, he wasn't the same in in the other games after that. Uh, You know, against, in the quarter-final, in the semi-final, you know, he, he just couldn't get into it. And I think he was cut out for quite a bit after that as well, wasn't he? And I think that, um, there's play and, and there's a bit of added pressure the fact that so many games and the final are in this country uh, you mm. know in summer 
So I think England, you know, let's have it right. They're probably expected to win yeah. it. I think they're meant to be the bookies' favourites to win to yeah. win to win the whole tournament. But the thing is, this is where I think Vardy, a really favourable draw. Yeah, and I think this is where Vardy could be invaluable for England. Mm. And I think if I was Southgate, I'd be trying to tempt him to come back to the squad regardless. Because for me, Jamie Vardy is one of them players who nothing phases him. He never seems to get nervous, mm. you know, and I think he deals with pressure really well. I mean, that's probably because he's been at a let's say let's say a smaller club than yeah, yeah. The, the Rashfords and the Canes have been used to playing yeah, at, yeah. and even Tammy Abraham, you know, yeah, to an extent. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's played at Leicester, and he's nothing. Nothing seems to phase him. So for me, you know, going into a tournament as favourites, playing a lot of the, you know games in England and that, I think you want someone like Vardy. You very direct. Mm. He doesn't really care what mm. people are saying. Mm. You know, I think some of the younger players, if we, if we go with the forward line of, of Sterling, Sancho and uh, Rashford, they're all, they're all quite young. They've played for big teams, they get paid a lot of money, but there's a lot of pressure on them. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pressure on them. Vardy's now. last chance as well. Yeah. If he ever wants to do it, this is the this is the tournament he's going to get the chance to, to do it in. Watch this space on that. I yeah. think it's the, the matter's not closed on that. I think there's going to be some developments, but I think it, it it really does depend on how the rest of his season with Leicester yeah. goes. You know, if he yeah. has a bit of a shock and he picks up a couple of knocks and certainly kind of picks up a hamstring injury himself, it's not going to happen. And, and Kane's going to want to try and get back yeah. into it. He's going to be doing everything. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm Kane, all right. I can play. Kane will be back in April. He'll miss the friendlies against Denmark and Italy, so yeah. uh, Southgate will try his plan B for that. He'll be back for a couple of weeks at the end of the season. He'll play the three England Euro warm-up games. He'll get the golden boot. We'll win the Euros. It's all yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the other fun. side of that is, it. for me, I, I think, you know, do, is, is Harry Kane missing the friendlies such a big thing? Uh, you know, I think no. Harry Kane could miss England's friendlies and still start in, in the Euros. I, don't I think, think you want him for thing. maybe one of the warm-ups or two of the warm-up games. Just have him around the squad then. There's five right, England you know, games between now and the yeah. Euros. You don't need him for all of them. Yeah, if he's not a fit, just get him around the squad um, and, uh, you know, get him in amongst it, you know, kind of bantering and bonding with the lads and, mm. you know, and, and, and see what happens with it. Right, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back shortly, talk about some of the done deals and transfer gossip in the Premier League. Plus, we're going to talk about Everton's financial situation after they revealed their accounts. This is Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. Yesterday, we were talking about West Ham's accounts, how being one of the richest clubs in the world right now isn't having an effect on the pitch at all. Have a listen to yesterday's podcast if you want to hear that. You can go back in your timeline and find that. But today, it's Everton's accounts for the blue half of Merseyside. They're looking a little bit red for anyone's likings. Now, Steve wanted to talk about this. I'm not sure it's anything to do with him being a Liverpool fan and loving getting hold of a stick to beat the other side of Liverpool no. at all. So what's causing you to worry about these accounts, Steve? Why did you want to talk about this one? Because they've, obviously they've, they've announced some accounts um, for the year to June 2019, obviously, so they're a bit late coming out of these accounts, you know. Uh, in, in 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 the in the you know in the least, but must have my account. They've uh, <laughs> always last minute. <laughs> yeah, they've they've you know po- posted record losses of 111.8 million for the year. Uh, like I said, to June 2019. The the vibe coming out of the club is that they are committed to operating in a financially sustainable manner, and I just think that for for a, an institution as Everton and a and a well respected and well loved club like Everton, which are you know, a pillar of the Premier League and mm. as, as, you know, and, and actually, let's have it right, a pretty big football club. That, for me, sends massive warning signals out there, you know, to everyone connected with the club and their fan base because I think it, when I'm kind of reading some of the points on it uh, about the owner, you know, Farhad Moshiri and what he's done and what kind of money's being moved around at Everton, 
I just think, Christ, uh, you know, it's a really worrying time. This, you know, for for everyone connected with the Blues. I mean, you know, I mean, some of the kind of highlights that uh, I, I'll, I'll give you, you know, an increase of ninety eight point eight million on the previous season, which is just phenomenal. And uh, but the good news is, is they are still within the financial fair play over the last three years because it's ninety. Right. They've lost ninety four point four million over the last three years, so they're not contravening any fair play uh, regulations because that's one hundred and five million the buffer zone for that. But you're thinking about it, you're thinking this is getting pretty close to the wind, isn't it? You know, for a, for a well, team, that they'll, they'll have an eye on that though. They'll know where that financial fair play line draw. And here's my thing on this: I get what you're saying, and I get that. If you're a football fan looking at your accounts, you want your football club to be sustainable. We've seen it happen before with clubs that have overspent in the Premier League and then fallen from grace and ended up in League Two or League One or whatever it is. But Everton are going for a massive transition period. Yeah, They want to be, they have aspirations to be a Champions League regular. And that is never going to happen without huge amounts of investment. So they can't be sustainable at this stage in that transition. They might get to that stage ultimately and... You look at someone like Man City who have managed to get to that stage via some very lucrative deals with certain <laughs> Middle Eastern organisations. But Let's yeah. not put the microscope on them. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they haven't. They, they yeah, went through the, the same period. They went through the same transition. The thing yeah. is, though, is that you are going, you know, and every team goes through it, but just to a greater extent than others, you know. And mm-hmm. obviously we've seen you know, United have gone through that and they've spent a lot of money. Still going through it. Yeah, they are still going through it. But the thing is as well is that your recruitment's got to be good mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you're looking at some Everton signings. You, you know. have to reach that level. That's the thing, isn't it? You have yeah. to get yeah. to that and, stage. And, and like you say, you can't keep spending like Everton has spent over the past four years, every year. I, I think mean, like the third biggest spenders in Europe. Absolutely crazy. You look at some of the fees they paid for. I mean, how much they paid for like Sigurdsson? Forty-four million. Forty-four yeah, million quid. Mm. Uh, Balassi, twenty-six million. He played about fifteen games for him. Schneiderlin, twenty million, which was not you know it's not cheap. You're looking at other ones that he paid. Michael Keane, twenty-five million. Pickford, twenty-five. Davy Classen, twenty-four million. He barely played for him. Yeah, you know, yeah. And let him go. Got shipped out. Yeah, and yeah. let him go for cheap. So yeah. you know, and you look at someone like Liverpool who went through you know almost quite a seamless transition from an outsider's perspective yeah. but they recruited unbelievably well yeah. and the players they bought mm. bar the odd one or two yeah. misses but not really bad misses I don't think any Klopp's got any massive failures you know in, yeah. in terms of signings but I, I appreciate because Liverpool themselves were, were like I think a couple of hours away from going into administration yeah. under Hicks and Gillette weren't they and then obviously they've had the high court battle my, my kind of whole point on this and I know we give Everton a lot of stick on this podcast <laughs> I know as you know but it's For me, and and I appreciate they've got major kind of, you know, aspirations to be a Champions League club and uh, they want to be considered one of Europe's elite, which is brilliant. You know, they've got a new stadium coming on on Bramley, uh, Moor Dock in in Liverpool City Centre. And the thing is that they're doing all this. So they've, they've spent all this cash, which is a phenomenal amount of cash, to try and get on the path to achieving these objectives but they're miles away yeah. from it. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, Everton were in the bottom three at one point this season. You know, they sat Marco Silva, they brought Carlo Ancelotti in on, on massive money. And, um, you know, I mean, in this in this kind of, you know, G, um, AGM that's happened last night, the you know, Marcel Brands has come on and talked about the squad and stuff like that and said, Mar- you know, Carlo Ancelotti likes to play 4-4-2. So we've realised that we're, we're lacking... On any the, strikers. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're lacking on the, you know, on the right side of attack. Um and they talked about the Wilfred Zahar deal and the fact they were linked with him for 16, 70 million. You can say, as you can see with these numbers, that type of deal just wasn't possible to do. Mm. So we're in a situation where the club's 11th, uh, they're posting record losses. They've got a manager in on 11.5 million quid a year who's one of the best managers yeah. in European football, no doubt about it. 
Um, you know, where's the, how are you going to progress? How are you going to keep even get to, to seventh in the league? You know, how are you going to do that? Because An- Ancelotti's come in, he's probably recognising all these gaping holes. I think they, they were all there to see at Anfield last week, weren't they? Um, how's it going to be done? You know what I mean? And I think if you're an Everton fan, you're thinking, you know, is it going to be another 12 months before they go again on this? And is the kind of more mediocrity in the short term going to have to be accepted? And I think... And where does that money come from if they're that close to this FFP line? Where does that money come from to rebuild, to get that right exactly, side Exactly, because, because we've talked about the the, the team and, and certain players have been told they can leave. I, think, I believe Gilfie Sigurdsson's been told yeah, he, can, yeah. he can leave. Um, you know, someone's going to come in for Sigurdsson and what's, what's he going to get, 25 million? If that, because he's know, not been great at Everton. He's not, that's the, the thing. You know, so that's, it's, He's just shown it in, in flashes, hasn't he? Yeah. So in terms of their assets that they could move on and sell and bring some more money in, there's not a lot yeah. there to bring in. Yeah, without selling the best players. Exactly. You know, you if know, like Richarlison might go, might get 50, 60 million for him. Yeah, exactly. You know? well, let's talk of Calvert-Lewin yeah. going to a club like Manchester United, wasn't there? And yeah. yeah. They, I mean, is he one of Everton's best players? Maybe this season probably, probably yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, I think there's loads of potential there with him. I think you know it's going to be interesting to see how it works out with Ancelotti and him. Um, but I just, I you know, taking my Liverpool hat off, I just worry about it. You know, when you're seeing someone that's that's you know floating so close to the wind, mm, yeah. third in terms of financial play, it feels like to me it feels like it's a house of cards that, that, that could just collapse at any point. That I mean, I might be being a bit dramatic because people who are closer to it will know more than me. But when I seen the BBC news this morning, I was like. Jesus, mm. you know, when I seen that, I thought that that's. I mean, you know, Mashiri's own uh, is owed three hundred and fifty million quid. I was going to say, I think that's a big part of it is the cautionary tale for any football club, and Everton are no by no means unique in this. And I, I don't know whether it's the same as City actually, but certainly if you look at a Manchester United or a West Ham mm. or um, probably Liverpool as well, in the same situation, they haven't got benevolent gifting owners that are giving their club hundreds of millions of pounds. Mm. They're loaning their club hundreds of millions of pounds. And in the case of Mashiri, there is no interest payments on yeah, those loans. There's no deadline. There's no deadline. So, yeah. I mean, that's a fairly generous thing for a yeah, chairman to yeah. do. But for other clubs, that won't be the case. Mm. And that's quite a cautionary tale because at some point, those loans have to be repaid. Mm. And whether it's whether there's a takeover or whether it's an owner getting bored, who mm. knows? But there will be a change in the wind at some point down the yeah. line. The thing yeah. is, like you say, Stevie, you know, for, forever from, from a fan, you know, ignoring all the, you know, the, the financial, rivalry, you know, yeah, or even but ignoring like the financial side of things, you think to yourself, the, the setup that Everton have got currently is for any sort of, you know, upper mid-table kind of team, which Everton have probably been for the last <laughs> five, you know, ten years. Is that they're doing everything that you'd want as a fan? Yeah, because they've got a brilliant manager, like you said. Now Superb, yeah, they've yeah. got this amazing new stadium that's going to happen, mm-hmm. and they've they've gone out and bought a lot of players, players that actually at the previous club they bought them from have been pretty decent. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. They've got like you know Richarlison, Yerry Mina when they bought him, he was yeah. meant for the next big thing, mm-hmm. wasn't he? You know, Pickford, who was you know England's number one. They've gone and bought these players somehow. <laughs> yeah, you know, they've gone and bought these players that when you when you buy them every season. And I've said this before on the podcast that you know in the summer, Everton, Everton have had a good window. Oh, they bought <laughs> yeah. some. They bought some great. <laughs> You've got to watch them this year. Yeah, this is their uh, yeah. year. They're yeah, going to break yeah. through. And I've said that for the past four years. We've done it with Ronald Koeman when he was mm. there with Marco Silva, and every year it doesn't seem to quite happen. And I don't know what it is. It's just bad recruitment, and the players haven't. They're just not buying into something. But it feels like they're doing everything they possibly can to push it through mm. to get them to this next stage, and it's yeah. just not quite happening well, for them. I think for me, when I've kind of been looking at this, and I've got some some kind of points because I have took my Liverpool hat off here, and I'm you know obviously like I've said, I, the Premier League needs a good strong Everton. There's mm. no there's no doubt about that. Um, it's just that you know he's gone through four managers in in four years. Uh, well, three years, eleven months. <laughs> you know it's actually <laughs> February two thousand and sixteen that he took over. Um, the the spending 
can only be described for me as reckless. I think, you know, we've talked about the recruitment where they've bought a load of 30, 40 million players that are just a bit shit and that's why it's not working out at Everton. Mm. And, you know, you've got an owner who's saying, well, actually, yeah, you do owe me kind of 350 million quid. It's not going to go away, but I'm not putting any pressure on you right now. <laughs> um, and I just think that the fans deserve better, really. They deserve a well-run Everton football yeah. club. And looking in from the outside, and like I say, I'm not an, an expert on this situation and I'm just... I've read the reports on Sky Sports and I've read the reports on BBC News about it and I thought, wow, that's actually mm. quite alarming, uh, you know, seeing some of it. So, you know, just to kind of, for, for me to put my final word on it, I just think that, you know, I am concerned about Everton long term. You know, I think that, um, I, I hope that this levels out and, and things do get a bit brighter, but I think having seen other teams like we've mentioned in the past go down a similar path to this, and all it takes is one thing to fall and the whole the whole house comes down, you know what I mean? And I just think hope that that's not the case here. Given that news, it will be very interesting to see how Everton behave in the transfer window that is currently open. But there are some done deals in that market. Let's rattle through some of the deals and some of the potential deals that are on the back pages of the papers today. Done deal literally just flashed on my screen seconds ago for West Ham. <laughs> That's the, deal, that's the deal done, Claxon. Uh, Randolph, Darren Randolph has rejoined West Ham. I don't know what any of the details of that deal. It's literally just flashed on my screen. One deal we have a bit more information on, which you touched on earlier. <laughs> Hedson Fernandez on loan from Benfica. 18-month loan deal with Spurs. £50 million option to buy. I have a feeling that is going to be more of an obligation to buy at the end of that contract. How does he fit into Spurs? As you said, Steve, he's not an attacking midfielder. He feels like a midfielder that's maybe in the mould of midfielders they already have. Sissoko, who's injured, maybe Eric Dyer, Harry Winks, mm. Ndombele, um, Wanyama's still on the books at Spurs, I think. Oh, jeez, I forgot yeah. about him. I mean, he's, if, you were, if they were buying a play, you'd think they'd go for an Ericsson replacement, who is either leaving in January or in the summer, yeah. one way or the other. Mm. So it feels like a weird signing yeah. for Spurs, doesn't it? I think it feels like they're just trying to appease Jose and saying, there you go, we've brought someone in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, because yeah. we know Jose, not cost any yeah, money. Yeah. We know Jose likes to sign players and, and, and kind of have it, you know, operate with a uh, a, a fairly healthy squad. Um, I, I Like I said, I'm not sure where he fits into the equation. I think... Um, Tottenham do have an abundance of midfielders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously they have got injuries at the minute. Um, but I'd be surprised if he played the required amount of games that makes that permanent. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets kind of, you know, nine, ten months into it and then starts mm-hmm. kind of being phased out a little bit when other people come back and then it's like, sorry, Benfica, we're not obliged to buy him. Yeah. Should play back. I, yeah. I still don't think he's found his, his, his right midfield nah. yet as well, either. I think that's really important for Mourinho teams. I think he, ever, he struggled at United with that as well. He didn't really know how to play Pogba and mm-hmm. he was, you know, when he had, you think of the old Chelsea teams, that midfield was just absolutely, you know, picked itself. He knew exactly what roles each of them played. Yeah. I think, obviously, Spurs, it's not his squad yet, so I think it's probably going to take him a couple of windows to kind of get mm-hmm. that recruitment right, but interested to see where he uses him because he's rotated a hell of a lot this season. Yeah, he has. Other gossip involves Leicester City and Manchester United. Leicester City are apparently inquired about the availability of 24-year-old. How is Luke Shaw 24? 24-year-old Luke Shaw uh, because they see Ben Chilwell potentially moving off to Chelsea. Luke Shaw deserves another chance, doesn't no. he? And do you not think? <laughs> I'd, pay, I'd, I'd pay them he's to tw- get rid of He's 24. Oh, I and think he's, he's awful. He's just not performed well at Manchester United. I think he's, he's just struggled with fitness, hasn't he? I've ne- I don't rate him at all. I think he's... Uh, I th- honestly, I, th- 
I'd say there's 15 left backs in, in the Premier League better than him. Name them. <laughs> I'm I'm joking. Joking. No, I'm I'll go joking. through it still. I've done it before. <laughs> no, I, said, I, said, I am not taking this man off. Tw- <laughs> I said about my 20 championship players better than Lingard. I've got a list for all, all United squad here. And that's not because of a City fan. No, uh, Luke Shaw, don't rate him. I think uh, too many injuries. Don't think he's fit enough. Mm. Um, is he in the right Is he at the right club, though? Uh, I think he's been given chance after chance after chance. So I heard a really interesting thing. So he was... Undoubtedly, an amazing talent at Southampton. Oh yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. And since then, the main thing that's held him back is his fitness. And he has—he's either been injured or he hasn't looked fit in a physical sense when he's played at Southampton. He had a minder, so he had one player who, one, one member of staff who minded him day in, day out, man on man, to make sure he didn't eat pizza. That's, is and, that true? and would sit with him and basically make sure he was keep looking after himself and not eating crap. And so if Leicester City can do that, they might have a player on the hands. I can't think that's a job that someone's at the pizza yeah. monitor. <laughs> yeah. um, the thing about Shaw is, like, I'm being a bit harsh. I don't, I don't rate him. I don't think he's good. He's shown flashes of what he can do at United. He's never, he's looked out of sorts. And what worried me about it is, it's not just one manager because sometimes you think a manager doesn't fancy a player and you think he don't, you know, that city ships him out. But two managers took a look at Shaw yeah. at United, and neither of them liked him. They both it's sort Van of Halen and Mourinho, Mourinho and they both it? said, "Listen, he's not up for it." And so, so much so that Van Gaal said. He's just not fit enough, mm-hmm. and that wasn't. I know he's struggled with injuries, but when he's back from injury, even he doesn't look fit. He just mm-hmm. doesn't. And it, and it shows to me that you know he, I don't think Solskjaer is is carrying him. He, you know I think no, even when he put Solskjaer in a good manager category. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm <laughs> that. Brilliant. No, I think you know what if Chilwell does move on from Leicester, which I think is an inevitability. I don't know if it with this window or the next one. Maybe he might be one of those players that gets a new lease of life, like you know. We've seen it before. Lewis Sahar, when he left United, was injury They've got prone. A pretty good record. Was good. Leicester City, in terms of replacing key players when they leave, they have got, got a great record. record yeah. As well. yeah, I think the the thing is with with with, with Luke Shaw to me, and um, the the early promise that he showed at Southampton, mm. you're thinking, Christ, there's a, you know, there's a player mm. here. But since then, you've had Chilwell, uh, you know, emerge and and be fantastic for Leicester. And then you've had Andy Robertson at Liverpool, yeah. haven't you? He's yeah. miles behind uh, who, 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 you know, In terms of them two players, Shaw is considerably behind them. Yeah. I think, for me, I, I, you know the, the, like the niggling feeling I've got with Luke Shaw is that if he gets a man-manager on him, and I, you know, because Jose's not a man manager, is he? He's quite, you know, he's he's cold. I mean, I think you know. Did you see the footage of when Son got sent off in a game and he went around shaking everyone's hand and kept ignoring Son, even yeah, though yeah. the poor lad had his hand? It's poor management. It's it's poor that yeah. because it's through thick and thin you, you you with someone and if the part of your squad you make him feel like that. I just can't help but feeling that there is a footballer in there. Uh, I just think that he's got to have the right arm round him, mm. like some players doing. His I mean, because Gaza needed an arm round him. You know what I mean? When when he was playing, I think. He's got to have a bespoke plan. He's got to have a specific plan, Luke Shaw. And I think if someone like a, a head of you know sports science or you know, a club can get hold of him and go right, these are the facts. And I, you know you, you you probably carry a bit too much weight. Mm. You know to be bombing up and down a pitch because you have seen him on a pitch sometimes. You're like Christ, he, you know he looks a chunky guy. Yeah, like he does. you know, um, so we need to get you kind of you know the, the body fat down. That you know get you in a bit more a bit more muscle on you. Um, and we've got to kind of like, you know, start hitting these markers a bit more. And I just think that I can't help but feel that if someone puts a plan in place for him and gives him that one-on-one attention like he had at Southampton when he had a minder, maybe not as extreme as yeah. that, but, <laughs> but someone goes, listen, you have, a, you have a bespoke training plan, which means even though you're doing the group sessions, you've got this extra stuff yeah, yeah. and you've got some nutritional training as well. 
that goes with it. Uh, because there'll be a reason why he's smashing in a load of loads of pizza. We know that all these things are psychological, aren't they? Yeah. You know, and there's triggers that's going to make him do that. And the fact if he isn't happy at Man United and he's been frozen out by two managers, like you say, and someone playing at being manager, um, <laughs> you know, that's going to have a psychological effect on him. And he's, and you know, and he's probably not feeling great. You know what I mean? Just needs so one arm around the shoulder what? and another arm taking the KFC out of his mouth. Exactly. Look, <laughs> <laughs> okay. no, Brendan Rodgers. Strikes me as a kind of manager that might be able to do that. Yeah, he you would. Know what I mean, he's yeah, got yeah. that. You know, he, he makes his players buy into his mm. his kind of mentality and his ethos. So Likes good he, character. He loves character. Players he loves character. character. Yeah. Yeah. Right, that is it for Football Social Daily. Cheers. Adam, Steve, thank you very much. Got through a whole lot there. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Give us a follow on Twitter at the Sports Social, and as we mentioned at the top of the show, leave us a review and get a shout out on the next podcast. And we'll see you next time. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.